Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Tonight, I have a couple uh, confession stories to make to you, and you're going to hear about my most recent household task that I procrastinated, but I'll save that story for the end. Um, But uh, we are going to find that law and leaves and lint all have something in common. Law and leaves and lint, L-I-N-T. They all have something in common, and what they have in common is rebuilding priorities. So over this past couple weeks, I mean, we're over a month now. Uh, I guess it's been like a month and a half. We've been studying on Nehemiah. And so I'm going to nutshell it for us just a little bit tonight, is that the people of Israel, the people of Judah, had fallen captive to the Persian Empire. And the people who used to live in Israel and in Jerusalem are now dispersed all across the known world. So they were taken out of their homelands and displaced. They weren't even refugees. They were intentionally taken out away from their homes, basically kidnapped, displaced, put in other areas of the world and places with different languages and different customs, different food, different religions. Um, And then they were an oppressed people. These people were sold into slavery and they were hated all across the empire. So they were thrown in this circumstance because they had turned their back on God. They had forgotten to prioritize God's will in their life. And God told them hundreds of years ago when he talked to Moses about who he was and what his character was, which we'll get into a little bit tonight, that when he told them, he said, if you follow my will, if you follow my commands, if you keep your oath to me to follow me, all these blessings will come on you and not just you, but your children and your children's children and their children up to thousands of generations. But people are fickle, aren't we? Our hearts are constantly turning away from what is right and what is good. And, um, and as a result, the people have, had been judged by God and they had been dispersed all across the known world. And so this broken people finally has come back to Jerusalem. They have rebuilt the city of Jerusalem. They've even rebuilt the temple. But the city is at risk because there are no walls. And without walls, we have outside invaders coming to try to take advantage of the people and squash them out again. So Nehemiah is a governor that was sent by the Persian king, the highest king in the land. Nehemiah was from Judah. And he had in his heart to rebuild God's purpose in Jerusalem by rebuilding a wall around the city. Because Nehemiah knew that without walls, the city would continue to fall outside of God's plan, that the city would continue to fall to attack. There's no protection. And Nehemiah, he'd been sent to build a wall, right, the physical wall. But in actuality, more than that, Nehemiah was sent by God because if the people were without godly priorities, the people would continue to fall outside of God's will for their life because there's no protective wall to keep them close to God's heart. 
And if we, being God's people through Jesus, right, we, we are God's people through Jesus Christ, if we are a people without God-designed priorities established in our own hearts and in our own lives, we too will fall outside of God's will for our lives and for our community. And there's consequences to being outside of God's will. We are outside of his protecting and outside of his covering and outside of his purpose for our lives. And God wants us to be in his will and in his plan. So we remain within God's will in his perfect plan when we prioritize our lives in a godly manner. And tonight we're gonna look at how can we do that? How can we rebuild our priorities in a godly way? And we're gonna do that by looking again at Nehemiah. We're not just looking at a couple verses here and there, we are actually looking at the entire chapters of Nehemiah chapter eight, nine, and 10. So I'll be reading to you for the next two hours. Are you comfortable? We'll skim. How about that? <laughs> so we're going to be going through, uh, through these chapters together. And I want to put this in setting for you because the wall sure was built in 52 days. But in chapter 8, the wall had been finished. So we ourselves are at day 43, right, of the wall being rebuilt proverbially. But at this point in our book, in Nehemiah, the wall had been built. And the people had actually gone back home. They had gone back home to their hometowns. Remember, they weren't taking off their clothes because they were working so hard. They didn't even, like, they didn't take off their clothes to sleep. They didn't change. They slept with armory on them. They were so intent at building this wall. So they're pretty tired and they want to go home. So they finish their work, they go home to their hometowns and their families, and they rest a little bit, and then seven months later, after the wall is rebuilt, we come to Nehemiah chapter 8, and they all get together in Jerusalem again for a giant church service that doesn't last an hour. It's not like a three-service Sunday. This church service lasts the entire month of October, the entire month. And we're going to be looking at that tonight. I'm so thankful that we don't go to church for an entire month at a time. Just honest. I love church, but not, not that much. Um, so they, they come together for this church service. And, and it's a powerful image of God's people relearning who God is and what his, prioritize, what, what his priorities are and how they can come back into the will of God. They came together to learn and know about his ways. They came together to have a relationship with him again. They came together to learn how to follow him and to help other people to follow him too. And so this church service lasted an entire month, but it was segmented off. Now, the, the powerful image about this church service, I want to remind you that a long time before this, like a thousand years before this, the people of Israel were stuck in slavery in Egypt, okay? And then Moses came along, and God saved them from Egypt and from slavery and brought them into the wilderness to a place called Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, God shows his power and his presence to the people of Israel for the first time. He shows up in fire and the mountain trembles and shakes and God gives the 10 commandments to Moses. And here is when the people of Israel see, wow, you're real and you're amazing and you're more than we could ever dream and you have a designed purpose for our lives and we're supposed to follow that. This church service in Nehemiah, it mirrors that 
that service at the foot of Mount Sinai. This is God telling the people, I'm drawing you back into relationship with me. I want to renew my covenant with you today, and I want you to renew your covenant with me. That's how powerful this moment is for Nehemiah and the people. So in our spread of chapters tonight, we're going to find that the people um, encountering God and recommitting themselves wholeheartedly to him again, they reset their priorities. And now they're rebuilding their wall of priorities that reestablish their relationship with God. So let's get into it. So Nehemiah chapter 8, starting at verse 5. Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. And here we see our first priority in being in God's will is that we need to prioritize God's word in our life. So I want to pause and talk to you about Torah for a minute. Torah is the Hebrew word for law. And in the Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament is the Torah. It's the law of God, okay? Um, Okay, my first story. It's a confession. Um, Please uh, still think somewhat of me after this story (laughs) tonight. Uh, A while ago, I was driving through Kenosha in in my car, and I think I was on the phone, and I think I was taking care of one of my little ones in the back. And I look up, and there's a cop behind me with his lights on. So I pull over. He said, ma'am, did you know you're speeding? And I was like, well, maybe a little bit. (laughs) But, you know, like a couple miles over the speed limit. And uh, I said, yeah, I, I think I was just a little bit over. And he was like, yeah, you were doing 20 miles over the speed limit in a construction zone. I wasn't paying very good attention. I said, are you sure? I didn't see any signs. He said, ma'am, you've passed two signs, and I've been following you for a while now. <laughs> uh, so I, like, I had no excuse. I had flat out broken the law. I mean, I didn't know I was breaking the law. I would never have sped like that in a construction zone. I wouldn't have broken the law, but I didn't know. And as much as I told this cop, I'm so sorry, I didn't know, it doesn't change the fact that I broke the law. And I broke it pretty good, don't you think? So he hands me a ticket um, that had just about floored me. It was a six-point ticket on my driver's license, which is halfway to losing your driver's license. Um, And then it was also like a $600 fine. I was sick. Someone asked me, what did Dan say? And I was like, I think he knew I felt pretty bad he couldn't make it worse with whatever he said to me. He's actually really gracious. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> and so they gave me a court case, and I had it in my heart. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm definitely not innocent. I'm not going to be in there and be like, not guilty, because I'm definitely guilty. And so I go in there, and it was actually very gracious. I, I come, and then the lady, uh, the attorney uh, sat me down, and she was like, okay, this is what happened. I can reduce your points to three points and uh, your fine to $300. I was like, thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful. And, you know, it's a story, right? Like, it's a fun little story. Fun. Yay. Um, But on a much grander scale, like, our creator God created this entire universe. He has the right to have a way set in place. 
I think a lot of times us humans think, well, who are you to tell me how? He, he is the one to tell us how. That he has a way, that he has a prescription for our lives. And praise him that his prescription is for our good and for relationship with him. That he has laws that must be adhered to. And whether we know it or not, we break his laws. And that's the Bible. We become aware of the laws that we break with God. And the people of of God in this passage, they're hearing the word of God. And the Bible says that their response was to weep. They realized that they weren't living their lives for God. Whether they knew it before or not, they weren't even purposefully breaking his law anymore because they were ignorant of what his law was in the first place. They didn't know, but they were still guilty, and they realized that they had sinned and the consequences were of their own doing. And once we're aware of God's law, we realize that we are each one of us guilty of sin that separates us from the will of God. That God wants us in his will and he shows us what his rules are in order for us to be in his will. But whether we're aware or not, we walk outside of his will when we don't adhere to his ways. And God wants us in his will. Romans 3.20 says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So when we become aware of the law, it just makes us realize, oh my goodness, I have lied, I have coveted, I have committed adultery, whether physically or in my heart, I have been angry at my brother, I've wanted what someone else had, I have used the Lord's name in vain. All of these laws we can commit on a daily basis, very easily. None of us in this room are without sin. We are all not innocent from breaking the law of God. And so thank God for Jesus who takes our ticket of what we deserve and he pays the price for the thing that we did wrong to make us right with the God. Because the law can't save us, but Jesus can. So because the people's hearts had been far from God, they were breaking his law. And so when we prioritize God's word in our lives, whether through the written word of the Bible or through talking to the word of God in the person of Jesus Christ, then we can know God more. And the more we know God and know who he is in his fullness, the more we love God. And out of our love for God, we want to obey him. We want to please him. We want to fall in line with what he prescribes for us. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus tells us the entire law, the first five books in the Old Testament, he sums it up in three small verses. Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. When we love God and others, we will prioritize his word in our lives. We will know and follow his word because we love him and not because we have to. Isn't that wonderful? uh, To be in God's will, we need to prioritize God's word. So let's read on. So Nehemiah chapter 14 through 16. 
says, as they studied the law, so they're prioritizing God's word in this worship service and in their lives. As they studied the law, they discovered that the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should live in shelters during the festival to be held that month. He said that a proclamation should be made throughout their towns and in Jerusalem, telling the people to go to the hills to get branches from olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees. They were to use these branches to make shelters in which they would live during the festival as prescribed in the law. So everyone who had returned from captivity lived in these shelters during the festival, and they were all filled with great joy. The Israelites had not celebrated like this since the days of Joshua, son of Nun. And here we see the second way to be in God's will is that we need to prioritize eternity. So after the people heard God's word, they prioritized God's word, they did what any good human do, they partied, they celebrated, they had a huge party. And so um, to us, it might seem like a, a weird kind of party. I mean, there was food, and there's food at every good party, right? And um, there was music, they sang songs together, and they come up, came up with some really great decorations. I mean, it was a little outdoorsy. They had like Christmas tree branches and palm leaf branches and shrubbery branches and flowering tree branches. They don't really theme together well, do you think? They don't really match so well. But they were, God told them to pull all these different kind of branches together and make these temporary shelters. And then they all camped outside for seven days together, singing and eating and living in these temporary shelters made up of odd twigs and, and um, odds and ends of different trees. And what we see here um, in this bouquet of tree branches is that although it's mis mismatched, it represents a great diversity of God's creation. And when we think about the church, when we think about the people of God, there is great diversity here, right? We have people in the church from every age, from every race, from every socioeconomic class, from every background, from every career grouping, from, from tall to short, like ageless, the age ranges and the languages and the cultures and the dancing styles. Like we are all a diverse people and yet we all come together in these odd bouquet branches together under the banner of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the unifying factor that brings the diversity of the church together and makes us one in him. We hear, we hear this um, theme over and over again in COVID. It's just to kind of help us all through as a world. I've heard it over and over again of better together. And there's some truth to that, but God hasn't called us to be better together with just anybody, God has called us to be unified as the body of Christ. We're not supposed to be unified with our neighbors or with people at work. We are supposed to get along. The Bible says to live at peace with one another. But God calls us to unity within the body of Christ. When we look at these tree branches and the diversity of it, we see that God has brought the people of Israel back together from all places in the empire, from all their diverse backgrounds and all of their ages. He brought them all back together, and he had them live in these temporary shelters for a week. And when they're living in temporary shelters, they're reminded that life is temporary. Isn't that beautiful? That life is temporary. This represents how they lived in temporary shelters in the desert with Moses when they wandered in the wilderness. 
Um, it wasn't supposed to be for 40 years. It was supposed to be for about a year. But it was still temporarily in the wilderness that they lived in these shelters. And it was a reminder that this is not your permanent home, that God had a promised land for them to get to, that God's designation for them wasn't the wilderness. It was for the promised land. And when we have eternity prioritized in our hearts, we begin to see life through an eternal lens that this life is not eternity. This is not our permanent home. This is our temporary shelter. And we begin to see suffering through the lens of eternity, and we realize my suffering is not eternal. My struggles are not eternal. My temptations are not eternal. That my home is in heaven. That God has given us a permanent dwelling. That our shelter on earth is temporary. And we can look forward to our permanency in heaven. And with eternity in mind, we can prioritize God's work unified as the people of God. Because then all of a sudden, his goals and his dreams for this world become more important than our personal comfort in this temporary life. It becomes less about how can I make it through every day more comfortably, and it becomes more about, God, how can I honor you with every moment of my day today? How can I bring attention to your eternity today, to your purposes? So we need to, as people, as God's people, we need to prioritize God's word. We need to prioritize eternity. And now we're going to read on in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1, and we're going to find that in order to be in God's will, we need to prioritize confession and repentance. On October 31st, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. Now, fasting and dressing in burlap and sprinkling dust on their heads, this is how they grieved. This is how their cultural group grieved. So some of us might wear all black when we go to a funeral. Some of us might cry really loudly at funerals. Some of us um, maybe have cremated family members. Some of us have buried family members. So the way that we grieve is all different, right? So this is the Israelite um, expression of grief is they they fast and they dress in burlap and they sprinkle dust on their heads. They're broken, they're heartbroken. So we started off with a reading of God's word. The people were reminded of who God is and what his laws are. And then they celebrated, right? They celebrated for a week and then when they come back together, they begin to come together in mourning because they've been made aware of how they've broken the law of God, how they had stepped out of relationship, how they had stepped out of God's will, and it grieves them and it breaks their heart. And, you know, this, this moment of repentance isn't just like, oh, okay, first we're going to have a worship set, and then we're going to have Pastor Tonto come up and do announcements, and then we're going to sit down and do offering, and then there's going to be really beautiful special music by someone amazing in our music program at church. Um, and then we're going to pray for like 30 seconds and just say sorry for some stuff. And then we're going to listen to pastor preach. This was a four hour prayer service only focused on confession and repentance. Four hours. They confessed individual sins. They confessed corporate sins. They confessed sins of their ancestors. We begin to, if you just skimmed through the whole chapter, so this is the first verse of the chapter that we read, and then if you in your own time just skim through the entire chapter, it's a prayer to God confessing 
how they had fallen out of, out of relationship with them and the attitudes that led to them breaking his law. And you'll see attitudes like proud and stubborn, ignoring God's word, refusing to obey, forgetful of what God had done for them, stubborn, disobedient, rebellious, obstinate. They didn't follow God's regulations. And the people are heartbroken. And we look at this list, and I know it's been several thousand years since, uh, since this event happened in history, but I look at that list and I think, boy, I've been there multiple times. Like, there's times when God tells me to do something, and I don't want to do that. I'll do what I want to. I get stubborn. I get proud. I get obstinate. I want to refuse to do God's will because it's not comfortable and it's hard and it goes against my comfortability and my happiness and the things that I want out of life and I begin to ignore the direction that God has for my life. So we see that we're not much different than the people who have gone before us. And as people, we need to start confessing these sinful attitudes and our sinful behavior to God on a regular basis. So... Um, I would like to show and tell something with you. Um, I was doing laundry yesterday because it was a snow day in my, or an ice day. Yay, Wisconsin. Um, and so my kids were home and I just got back from a trip and I said, thank you, Jesus, you gave me time to do laundry. And then my dryer wasn't working very well. And I thought, well, this is a great time to clean out my dryer, um, which took a while and I shouldn't have done it. But anyway. I was cleaning out my dryer, and you know, like I clean out my, my lint basket, and you just take out the lint every once in a while, and I realized I've never been in a place long enough to have to actually clean out my dryer, that Dan and I have lived in this house longer than any other house we've ever lived in, and usually by this time, like we're moving, and you know, like I don't have to clean that out because I'm not in that location anymore. Did you know that you're supposed to clean out your dryer vent once a year? Anybody knows that? I hear a voice. Okay, several of them. Please go home and clean out your dryer vent if you have not done it recently. Um, it's been eight years, and I cleaned out the vent, and I got my backpack, and I stuck it down in my dryer as much as I could, and finally I was like, okay, it's still not getting anything. So I pulled my dryer out, and I disconnected the back um, exhaust pipe that leads to my outside, and I kind of vacuumed out that pipe, and I thought, there's not a whole lot in there. Like, that's not stopping my dryer. Then I reached my hand in the hole in the back of my dryer, and I started pulling out like stuffed animal-sized lint balls from the back of my dryer. This was in my dryer. This is after I stuck a backpack into my dryer, and I still pulled this out of my dryer, okay? When I think about lint, I think about like these fuzzy little floaties that float through the air that you can only see when the sun is sitting on them, and they kind of catch the sun. Well, those fuzzy little floaty friendlies <laughs> can turn in this mass rodent that can like lay up in your dryer. They can cause house fires. They can um, increase your electrical costs. They cannot dry your clothes like my dryer was not doing. And now I know why. <laughs> but, you know, like when we don't deal with with confessed sin, when we don't take a minute to evaluate the ventilation of our dryer in our heart. Lint can get stored up and clog our heart. And we won't function the way that God has designed us to function. And we won't connect with him in the way that God has designed us to connect with him. 
that if we don't deal with sin as the Holy Spirit reveals that to us, then it can become a really big mess. God wants us to confess our sins to him. God wants to clean all that gunk out. And when we don't, it just builds up and builds up. It doesn't go away. He's the only one who can wash us clean. And so when we prioritize confession and repentance, it's like we're pulling those balls out of our dryer and giving it over to him, saying, Lord, I want to be in your will. I don't want this to keep me from being in relationship with you. And we need to prioritize confession and repentance. We're in God's will when we prioritize confession and repentance. We're in God's will when we prioritize eternal living. We're in God's will when we prioritize God's word. And finally, we're in God's will when we prioritize righteous living. So when the people of Israel had come back to Jerusalem from being dispersed all across the empire, they came back, but the temple of God wasn't the same. Like they, they weren't living in a theocracy anymore. They were surrounded by people and governments that they had no power over, that ruled over them. And they realized we have to live for God on a day-to-day basis. And we have to live for God even though the greater culture around us isn't living for God. They had to separate themselves from the greater culture to live for God. They, they had to intentionally prioritize righteousness in their lives. Otherwise, they wouldn't know how to live for him. And the dominant culture around them was polytheistic. They worshiped many gods. The dominant culture was inclusive of other kinds of morality and righteousness. Business ethics were different. Financial gain was different. The way that people were treated was different. Value systems were different. And yet God had still called his people to follow his law in righteousness and holiness. In the same way, the greater culture of our lives is, is not geared toward Christ-like living. We live in an upside-down world, and Jesus has called us to live in holiness for him. And that's hard. That's going to separate us from people. The Bible talks about how we can be a smell, an aroma of life to others, and the smell of death to others. Because our lives can bring conviction to people who don't know Christ, who don't follow Christ, and people don't like that. And our lives can also be the aroma of life because people begin to see Jesus in us and think, I want to know God too. I want to live like that. And so in chapter 10, we see the people of God recommitting themselves to God. They make new oaths to God. They say, God, we're not going to intimately attach ourselves in relationships with people who don't follow you anymore. We're not going to intermarry with other people who don't follow your ways. We're going to tithe. We're going to give offering to the temple. We're going to invest purposefully and intentionally our finances into the work of God. We are going to follow you, God, even when it's hard. We're going to worship you even when it's hard. And so they, they owe to God that they're going to follow him with their relationships and with their business deals. And God knows throughout all time the two factors that can really just hook us in are the way that we conduct our relationships and the way that we deal with our money. That the love of money can be the root of all evil through all time. And so as Jesus followers, we need to prioritize to give our money to the work of God 
intentionally, not accidentally, not frivolously, and to give with a joyful heart. And then in our intimate relationships, God has called us not to be unequal with other people. Our, our closest people in our heart and in our life need to be people who will pull us closer to Jesus. And if those relationships don't pull us closer to Jesus, then we need to get that relationship right with God and make sure that we are in godly relationships with other people. And then finally, chapter 10 concludes with verse 39. It says, we promise together not to neglect the temple of our God. And we also are people, we are not to neglect the temple of our God. We are to prioritize righteousness in our relationships. And sure, we don't have a temple in Jerusalem anymore. And so we might wonder, where is the temple of God? And the Bible says that God resides in our heart, that his temple, that his throne is in our heart. And then the Bible also says in Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22, Paul writes, you are no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You are no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation, and now he's using you. Paul is talking to Christians. He is using you as you follow Christ fitting you brick by brick, stone by stone with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. When we prioritize God's word, when we prioritize God's eternal perspective in our temporary homes, when we prioritize repentance and confession, and when we prioritize righteousness in our everyday lives, we live inside the will of God. And when we individually and corporately are living inside the will of God, we are creating a temple in which God is quite at home. And I think I'm in a room full of people who wanna make God welcome home. I wanna make God welcome in my heart. I want us to make God welcome in our midst. That when we gather on Wednesday night, God knows that he is welcome to meet with us, that we are his temple, and he is welcome to come sit on the throne of our hearts, in our midst, in our community, that he would be made known, that we would be a people in his will. And so tonight, I want you to kind of think about those four things. And first of all, I, I want you to ask yourself the question, how do you need to prioritize time to learn more about God's word do you need to spend more time in the word, in the Bible, every day? Do you need to spend a minute in the Bible? Um, do you need to spend 30 minutes in the Bible, reading God's word? Or do you need to spend time in prayer, spending time with the word of God, with Jesus, having conversations with Jesus? How can you prioritize the word of God in your life? And then secondly, um, how, do you, how can you get rid of a busy or lazy parts of life that are not eternally focused or beneficial? Maybe you're busy with something that you know just doesn't, that maybe it eats away time at the eternal focus that God has for you. Maybe it's creating busyness in your life that God wants you to have freedom to worship him and to invest in eternal causes for his kingdom instead. And then also, like, is there a sin that God has called you to confess tonight? Is there a sin in your family, in your heritage, in your home, 
in your community that you need to confess? Is there a sin in your life that you need to confess to God that he could heal you from that? And then finally, are there relationships that you need to get rid of that are ungodly in your life? And is there a way that you need to invest intentionally, financially in the purposes that God has for you and, um, and for the work that God has in this world for other people to know Jesus? So I, um, we wanna be a people to prioritize God's will in our life so we can live in the plan that God has for us. I just wanna invite you to pray with me tonight and then we'll have our closing question before we leave. God, we love you so much. Thank you for showing us your ways. Thank you for showing us your life and your truth. God, that you lean into relationship with us. You didn't create everything and then walk away from it expecting us to try to make it on our own. God, you created this for us to know you. What an honor, what an honor. Thank you for showing us who you are, God. Thank you that you are faithful when we are faithless because you will not disown yourself. Father, I pray that you would help us to align our hearts with you, that we would be a people to rebuild our priorities based on you, God, in our mundane everyday life, in our big goals and dreams, in our ambition, Lord, in our strivings. Lord, let us prioritize you and what you have for our lives, that we can be in line with your will and in line with your ways. Lord, a lot of times that comes with sacrifice, and sacrifice is really hard. So if there's someone in this room tonight, God, that you have called to give up something very valuable so they can be in the will of God, whether it's time, whether it's finances, whether it's a relationship, Lord, I pray for courage to rise up, and I pray, Lord, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that they would be able to walk and step with what you're calling them to right now. Lord, I ask that you would bless my brothers and sisters in this room. Pray that you would bless their families, bless their week this week, keep them safe, Lord, and help them to walk in the fullness of who you are and what you've created them for. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at oakcreekag.org.